This is a production from The Companion. Sci-fi served fresh. Welcome to my interview with one of my favorite people in the whole world, Amanda Tapping. I was lucky enough to watch Amanda develop her skills both as an actor and as a director. First as Sam Carter in all the Stargate television series, and as a director of some of my favorite episodes of Travelers. From The Companion, this is my conversation in sci-fi with the amazing Amanda Tapping. A quick note before we begin the podcast. If you're a big Stargate fan, you might want to sign up to our membership on The Companion and listen to the full conversation. It's for our members. The episode is twice as long, there's a bit more depth, and they talk about a wider range of topics that I think the more insider fan would be into. And for a limited time, you can sign up to The Companion and save 50% on annual memberships. The link is below. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Brad. <laughs> oh, How are you? Podcasts. How oh, are you? Oh, the world of podcasts. It's so, it's so, it's so fun, isn't it, to try to oh, communicate yes. electronically? Uh-huh, when you're sitting in your car in the woods. In the woods, yeah. That's fine. No, I'm sure we have a good three or four minutes of battery on your iPhone. And <laughs> it'll be... In. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. It's, uh, it, it's, you know, hey, just think, when we started Stargate, uh, none of this technology even existed. And looking at, look at us just, just working with it as though we've been working with it our whole lives. Yeah. Or... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm quite savvy. <laughs> hey, Hey, I had to I had to put on my glasses to see the code, the pet the entry code, the passcode. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, I phoned, I had to phone the bank the other day when I was ordering food. And I said, Oh, they, they've declined my card. And I had put in the wrong postal code. <laughs> uh, I mean, and they were like, Oh, oh I'm sorry, sir. You're you're being a bit of an idiot. And and you know, <laughs> didn't say that. But that was that was between the lines. But they wanted to. They wanted. They would. I could tell. I can really, really <laughs> tell. Do you know? Do you realize you and I have known each other most of our adult lives? Yep, I do know it's, that. Brad. It, it's true. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, and the time has passed uh, uh, rather, and if not too quickly. Way too quickly. Like does it, it doesn't feel like Stargate wrapped. When did it wrap? The 10, 13 years ago. Yeah, 10 or 13. Yeah, something like that. Distant past. But I mean, if you and I have continued to work together uh, on yes. Travelers. Yes. Uh, uh, where you both acted and directed and ended up directing <laughs> most of season three, or at least more than anybody else. That was my uh, one of my favorite shows to work on, Brad. I loved Travelers. I loved the scripts. I loved the story. I loved the actors. I loved the crew. It was like, what an incredible atmosphere you created. It was so fun. It was, you know, what's funny. I was warned by my uh, by my agent and by a bunch of other people that after Stargate, I wasn't going to be able to recreate uh, that sense of a creative control that we had because you know there's just no way you're going to get that much autonomy. And you know, sure, you, you know, you, you you had a sense of family on Stargate, but that took years to to forge. No, I don't think it does. I I, I think you just have to make smart choices going in and and uh we got lucky again in, yeah. in in a workplace where where you could you know freely uh go into anybody's office and have a conversation and not stress out and, and get a real answer from a crew that was working their ass off 
Yeah. And I remember going into uh, your office, your director's office, many times carrying office supplies uh, that <laughs> I would present to you as a gift. He would. <clears throat> oh. He gave, me, he gave me a funny look in your eye every time, and, you know, you know, a stapler. Do I really is, need a three-hole punch, Brad? I'm doing this I, all on my you know. iPad. <laughs> <laughs> thank maybe, you. Maybe I was hearkening back to the beginning of our, our relationship, <laughs> which began, here, this is the story I don't know if I've ever told you. I have a very powerful memory of sitting in a sea of VHS tapes in front of a television in, in my office or in front of the office that John and I shared and popping in Amanda Tapping uh, and watching your demo and then watching your audition and looking, looking at John and going, finally, because we had, we had watched a lot of audition tapes and you were in Toronto. You, you recorded that in Toronto, right? I did, yep. And I, you can tell I'm from Toronto because I said Toronto. Toronto. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> And I remember, I remember, I must have watched it a bunch of times because I remember what was on that audition tape. I remember there was a scene from X-Files. There was a commercial for something like <laughs> toothpaste or something. <laughs> and that, but Advil, I didn't meet maybe. you. Advil, maybe, maybe. And the newsroom, yeah. I think, was on there. That's right. That's right. Ken Finkelman's show. Yeah. Yeah. The Canadian newsroom, not the later American newsroom. Right. The, the Canadian newsroom was very funny, actually. But then I didn't meet you uh, in, in person, I don't think, until uh, the L.A. tests. Correct. Correct. And it was you and two other potential yeah. Samantha Carters, right? It was right. me and two other potential Samantha Carters. And then we were all there, all the Teal'ks, all the Daniels, all the General Hammonds, all the Carters in that room at MGM. But there was then, just a few of each. Yeah, three of each. Uh, I think only two Teal'ks, maybe. But um and then a bunch of the people were asked to leave. They said, if we, if we call your name, you can go. Thank you for your time. So panicked. Please don't call my name. Please don't call my name. And then there was a break before the second round. And that's when you and Jonathan came out and talked to me. I remember that very well. I do too. Because it and changed I, my I, life. I remember you were, well, you were nervous until you were bantering with Rick. And when you were, for some reason, your inner performer came out and your inner strength and he was not, he did not intimidate you. You, and this was between, this was like just when you were yapping on the stage and you yeah. were making him laugh and you were being very funny. And I think I said something to the effect, bring that energy into your, yes. into your audition. That's exactly what you said. You said, I'm a big fan of yours, which was really a nice thing to say. Uh, I loved your demo. I think you're really, uh, and then you said what you're doing with Rick in between the scenes, bring more of that into the character. Right, right, right. And, and you continue to do it actually all through the show. I mean, you are very, you're one of the few people who, who broke into his, um, there's a little, there's always a little bit of distance between Rick and, and the rest of the world. And, and you were able to access him uh, on a quite a personal level, I think. Yeah. And we're still buddies. Yeah, I know. I know. And maybe it's because I was, you know, the executive producer, but it, it was, it took me, I think, a couple of years to get anywhere near what I could call a relationship with Rick. It was because uh, every time I, every time I stepped forward, it was not just conversation with Rick. It was conversation with Rick and Michael Greenberg. Right. It was very, very protective of Rick. I think because of previous yeah, experiences on other shows. And uh, again, sometimes you can have a go on a show and, and it's a, it's a bit of a nightmare. And I, and I guess you've experienced it 
over the years. I mean, you must have. Yep. I'm not. You're not going to name any. No, but I have. uh, (laughs) I have uh, more so as a director than an an actor had like pretty intense experiences on shows with showrunners who. Um, now, this some of that I know from knowing. I mean, you and I are friends, and we we talk, yeah. and so I know I know even the answer of some of these questions. But I I, I think that it's funny that even on a show like Travelers, uh, which I was uh, hoped was a more modern set, that you that you felt a a sense of uh, d- there was a bit of a difficulty just because you were a woman getting the crew, I mean, the crew didn't always listen to you the way they should, or, or, or they might have if you were a man. And you, again, almost always have to win them over. Even yep. now, you have to win over your crew and say, look, I'm a competent person, male or female, just deal with that. And I think, and I, uh, I, was, I was a little bit surprised by that, but, but again, obviously you won them over. You, had, you, you won the entire crew over. Uh, I have to give uh, Joe, Joe and Paul, Joe Malazzi and uh, Paul Mully uh, credit for uh, my first call to you on Travelers, uh, which who they said, quote, run, don't walk and hire Amanda as a director. <laughs> and I drove. So because that made more sense. Because, <laughs> yeah, running. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but that, I mean, that's that's and that, you know, that was seven years ago. So or yeah. six years ago. So obviously. You're on fire. Martin Garrow wanted you to do a blind spot. And I did. And you did. I did. And yep. uh, that was fun. Yeah. Or was that challenging? Yeah. Uh, it, there were challenges to that show, which I, you know, there was one particular challenge. Uh, and then there was a challenge of Jamie Alexander had hurt her knee so she couldn't walk. So we had to have a photo double and a stunt double and then just shoot her in close-ups. So it just changed the way I shot. But it was also the first time I'd ever shot in New York. I didn't know a single person. Martin wasn't there. It was incredible. I had a great time. I had to win the DP over. That was the big one. Good old New Yorker. Dad was a famous DP. He's a DP. Great guy. But for the first probably three or four days, I had to tap dance for him and show him how much I knew. And then we became great friends. Yeah. Dad was a DP. I, I never really thought his of father that. was a his father was a famous DP and then he became a DP. And so he uh yeah. He, he was tough, New Yorker, but I ended up just loving working with him. We had a great time. But yeah, I find that all the time. I have to prove myself. I, I had, of course, naturally, that's what happens to me when I, when I uh, between me and a network or me in a studio yes. as a showrunner, I have to prove to them that I know what I'm doing and let them know uh, that they don't have to look over my shoulder over every decision <clears throat> or forgive me for my the ones that they I make that they disagreed with, you know, that you, cause that happens, right. Especially as a director. Yeah. I know we could do it that way. I want to do it this way. And the, yeah. and the DP will be, well, I don't know about that. That's not how we did, you know, uh, whereas, uh, and that's why we, that's why we hired you. Right. We, we had a good group of uh, directors on Stargate too, didn't we? Yeah. We ended up with a core that uh, some of which, many of which I brought over to travelers. I love Andy. I just, he's such Andy's a, awesome. And, and the thing about Andy and you and will is that you're always growing as a director yeah. you know it's not oh, this is who i am i've met, i've figured out my style this is what i do it's like i want to try this or or this is this new thing and and so i see the growth and i i've said this a hundred thousand times but what i enjoy most about <clears throat> making television and being a showrunner with such a long career is <clears throat> getting choked up is watching people grow is watching people go from 
you know, uh, Advil commercial <laughs> <laughs> to, to wanting to take Advil because your writer has written you a show that takes place in the sky like I did with Travelers. You did do that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know, I love a challenge. And, and I now that I'm more technically savvy than I was when I first started, obviously, I mean, I think I've done now over 60 episodes, 70, I don't know, there's a confidence that I have with technology now. So now I'm like, hey, I heard about this new thing. Can we try it? And that's exciting, and scary. Uh, and travelers, when you wrote that, when you wrote that skydiving travelers, I was like, okay, okay, okay. Oh, okay. I, I had so, a plan about how we could approach it. It wasn't entirely. See, we just we just shoot in the sky. Anyway, um... <laughs> it was it was amazing. I had so much it fun on that. There was one incredibly stressful time, and that was when we came down to one remaining day. Yeah, where we where we could shoot in the, the sky. That was super stressful. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was killer. It was absolutely killer. And you phoned me every you night. You can't jump in the pouring rain. I did phone you every night. So we were shooting all the other part of the episode out at Minnecata Park, like way out. And yeah. a bunch of the crew ended up staying like in the park in trailers or at motels, like right outside the park. Right. It's a big provincial park. And I would call Brad every night and be like, oh, okay, today this was great. This happened. And, then, and oh, today we got poured on. And But I was like, I was so eager to make you to please you but also to give you the confidence that everything was okay that i was like you know out with the crew and i you know one of the things that demonstrate that make that make, gives me comfort is when a director says no there's no way i can do this in one day or or, or you know if we if the if the first ad schedules something or and it's because you know how you want to shoot it right and it's because you you know i know i need to dedicate this much time to this very important scene to serve the story right and and i and it, we can't just blow off this part or to just jam it in. It's not right. And when I hear that from a director, I, I get confidence instantly because many, many times, even pre-Stargate on the Outer Limits, you know, the director would go, oh, I'll give it a try. <laughs> and I didn't know any better at the time. And, and you know, you would find yourself cutting, cutting from the script on the day, yeah. which is not what you want to be doing. So when you're, uh, you've always been popular as an actor, but now you're getting, now you're getting sought after as a director. What are the kinds of things you look for? This is actually a fan question from Twitter. Oh, what, <clears throat> in terms of projects? Yeah. Like what is it, what, what are you, what's pulling you in? It's, it starts with the story. If I'm compelled by the story and the characters, if I can see like a real cool challenge with the characters, but that's like, you know, I, I got a log line for a show recently and I was like, ugh. And then I read the scripts and they were phenomenal. And I went, whoa, okay, cool. This is a great script. This is a really good story. This is complicated. This is interesting. It's something new. So yeah, I mean, that's what I look for. And I look for also like the relationship. Who's in it? Who are the people that are running it? Is it going to be fun? Yeah, that, that to me, that's got to be. I mean, it's just, uh, it was Rick's, Rick and Michael's term, uh, LTS, which means life's too short. Yeah. You know, sure, we get paid nice money, but by the way, never trust log lines. Log lines are, no. log lines are, uh, they're, they're impossible to write. They're my, the, the log line and description of travelers actually hurt it, I think, uh, because it, it was, uh, I mean, people thought it was set in the future and it wasn't. Right. It's just because of the bad luck. My favorite logline in, in the whole world is, uh, I think I can remember it. It's a logline for the Wizard of Oz. And it's a young woman is transported to a different world, kills the first person she sees, and then teams up with three strangers to kill again. 
That's awesome. That's good. And my my uh, my other favorite logline was one that Showtime wrote for Solitudes. Do you remember Solitudes? Yep. Uh, you and Rick in an ice cave. Yep. Uh, that was a great episode. Uh, I love that. Wood, it was fun. Uh, Martin Wood directed. That was his first. I think it was his second. I said it was his first too, oh. but he told he since told me it was his second. Oh. But uh, but we we refrigerated the stage as one does. Uh, as we did again for Continuum, yeah. uh, who saw all we do? He's just like, yeah, let's refrigerate the stage. Uh, Ro- Robert Cooper calls me a, 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 a weather-driven writer. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But uh, my, the, the, the logline for uh, Continuum, I mean, uh, for Solitudes was, uh, Carter and O'Neill are trapped in Antarctica, which if you remember the episode, is like pretty much the same thing as saying uh, Kevin Spacey stars as Kaiser Soze in The Usual Suspects. <laughs> Which is, which is what I phoned Showtime to complain about it, which I, and they went, oh, well, I guess it's too late. Of course, that's back in the day when TV Guide was this thing you got at the, at the when you got your groceries, you got this piece of paper with the, when the, when the shows were on that week. With the listings. Yeah. 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 We got on the cover at TV Guide. We do. It's in my office. And yeah, that, God, we got, we got, we got a little big, but we never got too big. We never got big enough that that it became a situation where we couldn't do what we wanted. True. Because if you get really big, they, they you get people want to control you even more yeah. because, because they're monetizing you. So of course they do. That's, you know, you can ask for all the creative freedom you want, but the fact is if, if, if they can make a decision that makes the show make them more money, then that's what they want you to do. Yeah, for sure. Network television, especially, although I've never done it. I just, I just hear these things. <laughs> Rumor has it. I've only ever done cable. Yeah, that's true. It's weird. Cable and streamers. But you know, now there's not even, now there's not even really, you know, network is streaming now too. So it's such a weird shift. There are network shows for sure. But then there's also networks who have deals with streaming companies and it's a strange new world. I said this like 10 years ago, I said, it's all, and then they're going to, they're going to find a way to package all the streamers in this thing called cable. <laughs> and uh, we'll all end up. And you'll buy one package. Back where we started. Exactly. Except our monthly bill will be $1,200. Exactly. It might already be that. Unbelievable. And we all have cell phones and we all have iPads and we all have computers and we all interact with them four to six hours a day, according to my iPad at the end of the week. Wow. Yeah. Well, if you're on Zoom meetings. Well, I, re- I, I read every script. Zoom, Zoom every Zoom meeting, every uh, yep. every script I read. Uh, every, I mean, I, I read novels on my iPad. Yeah. It's, it's just ridiculous. Do you remember, like, I remember when Stargate started, I got, uh, an, I was going to say email, but that's not true. I got a letter, <laughs> regular post. A pony came by. And dropped off a bag of letters. And uh, one of the letters was from a young man in Poland who had bought my domain name. That's how new the intraweb was. And ended up running a website. Anybody bought amandatapping.com and said, I hope you don't mind, but I bought your domain name. And I'm like, my web I'm <laughs> reading this letter going, what is this? What is he talking? I don't, ah. Bradwright.com is, is still for sale and uh, nobody cares. But um, no, that's not even a thing anymore. People having their own web pages is less of a thing yeah. than, than it used to be. And it, it's like, like travelers, we thought, I said, I I thought right away, I said, Carrie, we should get like a, a page. And she went, yeah, we can. But it's not like people go to a dedicated page anymore because all the information about everything is everywhere. Yeah. 
Well, it's one of the things I love about the companion, which is uh, the podcast you're on right now, is it's a lot of different things. It's like a magazine though. You know, I mean, you can go and you can read an article that's interesting and, and there's a great one about your character uh, uh, with your father that's, that was on. Oh right. yeah, really yeah, James wrote that, it's beautiful. It's moving, it's very moving. Yeah, it's really wonderful. And I've written a couple and they're fun. I'll, I'll probably write another one because it's fun. I just need a, I need a subject matter I can dig my teeth into. But then, they, you know, then you can do an AMA and then there's a podcast and they have these quizzes. It's, it's, it's fun. I really like it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it takes up, you know, 20 minutes of the four hours I apparently spend every day on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the companion. Yeah. Well, why not? Yeah, absolutely. So are you pursuing acting? You, I know you'll act again. Uh, I'm sure I will act again, but I'm not pursuing it. I'm pursuing more directing. That's, you know, I just signed with Gersh in LA and uh, that's what I'm known for now, which is, I think, quite funny. Well, that's great. Because for the longest time I was that actress who directed. Now I'm a director who sometimes acts. I mean, there's a bit, of, there's still people who see me one way, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't think I even told you I'm leaving next week for Atlanta for six oh, you are, you, you are going to Atlanta. You said you were going. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Good. For six weeks. So that's, you know, I mean, and that was my agents, but also word of mouth. Like this, this showrunner called a bunch of people about me. And then the coolest thing happened. One of the people who works on the show in Atlanta knows people in the film industry in Vancouver and phoned his friend. And his friend had just worked on Motherland, which was the show I was producing director. So again, reputation, you never know when somebody's going to talk about you. And he talked nice. Well, of course. <laughs> of course. Otherwise, they would be calling you to Atlanta to, for no reason. It would be a bad, bad thing. <laughs> Come here and we'll beat you up. You're, you're, uh, you're executive producer, producing director. So you, there's director showrunners now. Is that in your future? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I guess you're essentially teaming up with a writer at that point. Yeah, Brad. That's what I'm waiting to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not hinting. I don't know what you're talking about. What? I'm not hinting either. What? What's next for what? us, Brad? <laughs> Well, I have a couple of projects uh, in the uh, in the air. One of them is Stargate. Obviously, fans are interested in hearing about that, and and it's still it's still in the same place it was last time we talked. It's uh, and it, and I think it began with COVID, changing everything up and putting the brakes on a ton of development, and I think it has migrated to. Uh, the changes that may be happening at MGM in terms of it being purchased by a much larger company. Yeah. And I mean, I've been working with, with MGM since 1994. So I've seen the, this happen. I've seen the signs of they're about to be sold. They stopped printing stationery. There's that, that was a clue at one point. Uh, and I'm not kidding. Wow. Uh, <laughs> that was actually more sci-fi. We just before sci-fi rebranded and became sci-fi, just before they switched over from sci-fi to sci-fi, they stopped sending out their old stationery with, with their old logo on it in memos. And I was like, what the hell? Are they, are they selling the company? No, they're just rebranding. Rebranding. Yeah. In fact, they were spending money. They were spending money in droves. Because that's, that's not cheap to do, changing everything. To rebrand, I remember, because I remember when they rebranded, they wanted us to all, you know, talk about how great it was. You know what? It brought the name of Stargate into the into the world because people would say, and sci-fi who produced, who air Stargate if you want and Stargate Atlantis well, and Stargate Universe, of which you were in all three. I was. I don't know how many people have that can make that claim. I guess Michael Shanks. Yep. I can't think of anybody else. I know Chris did Atlantis, but I don't know if he did Universe. 
Chris did, no, he didn't do Universe. He did one Atlantis. And Rick. Rick did them all. That's right. Rick did them all. Did Michael do Universe? Yes. He, he, no. The fans would know. Uh, he was in an episode called The Pegasus Project, was an SG-1 episode that I wrote uh, while we were shooting both series at the same time. And it was a crossover episode. And I had a nervous breakdown because I, I was, it was set in Atlantis and it was a SG-1 show. So I didn't know where I was. <laughs> I'm so confused. It was, it was, I'm so confused. It was, and I, that's when I said, famously said, what's Taylor doing in this episode? And, and, and Paul gently touched my shoulder and said, this is a Stargate SG-1 episode, Brad. <laughs> Set in Atlantis. No, it right. Yes, I wrote it. Yes, that's I knew that. Correct. I knew that. <laughs> Just checking. Oh yeah, I guess I could have put her in. Oh, and uh, Hewlett, David Hewlett. Yeah. Yeah, Steven's in, done all three. Yeah, he in the universe? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I feel like he must Big have been. Family. Yes, he was. He was. He was in one episode. <laughs> Huzzah. Huzzah. Don't you love that show? I love that show. The great. That's a great yeah. show. See, so that's, that's a show you, I said. you would direct. I would love to direct the great. Yeah. Just putting it out there. Anyone who knows anyone. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I said that on the last episode of Motherland. Every time something was good, I'd Huzzah! People became our rallying cry. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's really fun. I really love that show. It's it's it's. COVID has has made me watch more television. I think than I ever have before. Because mm-hmm. people used to say to me, um, "What's your favorite show?" And I go, "I I spend all my time making a show. I can't yeah, I don't have time to watch, watch it." <laughs> but uh, you know, COVID makes you uh, watch more TV. Yeah. Have you ever worked in Atlanta? I've been to Atlanta. I've never worked in Atlanta. No, but documentaries. Okay. Can I recommend a few? Yeah. It's totally off topic. Uh, Finding Vivian Meyer. I think I've seen it's it. About this. Have you about the street photographer? Yes. And she, oh my gosh. Okay. I can't recommend it enough. I loved it. Yes. Yes. Uh, Crip camp, which I think was up for an Oscar this year, but uh, about a camp for disabled teenagers and then what they become after that, which is phenomenal. And uh, Biggest Little Farm. Those are my top three right now. Biggest Little Farm, is that the one where they... Biodiversity. Where they, uh, everything is sustainable? And biodiverse, so they create... It's like an environment that basically is self-sustaining within its borders. Yeah-ish. I mean, they still, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, it, it's how it all... They have to bring together. stuff in, like yeah. seeds. Yeah, no, no, I, I saw that. I saw that a while ago. Brilliant. I love it. And the octopus teacher. My octopus teacher. The octopus teacher. teacher was my octopus teacher. That was good too. Yeah. I, I there's a lot of camera angles, so he wasn't. He was uh, in there with that octopus with a lot of people, but yeah. uh, it was pretty cool. I I just you know you're right. A lot of television, and um, and my Canucks didn't make the playoffs, so I can't watch that. So sorry. I know you don't care. I care. <laughs> I could care more. Let's just say that. Just say I could. That. Yes, I, it's you could. Possible I'm sure for me you could. to care more. <laughs> I guess it is. I guess it is. As you were, when you were acting yeah. um, on Stargate and, and you, and, and I, I feel like I have to apologize to you constantly. And I would write a scene that, or someone, Rob or Paul or Joe, that gave you, oh, I don't know, uh, 16 hours of memorization work <laughs> with stuff that you, I know that you had to go and, 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 and look up some of the stuff so that yeah. it could make sense to you. Yeah. Are you still mad at me? <laughs> no. I loved it. I mean, I kind of, it, it became like this thing where I became super excited about the knowledge and, and the fact that I really understood what I was saying. Like I broke it down into layman's terms so I could explain it to like Alan, for example, and then go, okay, now like 
I've broken it all down now. I can actually say the big, big words. But I don't know if you remember this story, and I've told this story at conventions before. There was some equation. I can't even remember what the episode was, but it was in the script, and it was basically saying if all of this happens, this many people will die. And it was like. And you found the mistake. And I found the mistake, and I was like, x over y to the power of two to this to this to blah, 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 times pi, blah, 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 blah. It was like super complicated. And for some reason, I zoned in on it and I found the mistake. I came running up to your office. I was so excited. And I said, ah, Brad, this is wrong. And this needs to be this. And because, and I was so proud of myself. And you very calmly went, okay, we'll change it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I left and I was like, oh. So yeah, I ended up waylaying jack osterbeck our craft service guy going jack check this out yeah there, i didn't i don't do math math is not something that i and i don't <laughs> even remember i don't remember what it was supposed to be but i'm sure there's a lot of that it just it has to be you know in the ballpark right you just yeah i mean like i remember a matter of time when we were talking about a, dialing a black hole and and uh you know i wrote this whole essay on the companion about science and it being real but for me, it just needs to have a context. It just needs to have a sense of, it has to, it has to look like it could be real. It has to, so, so for example, there's time dilation uh, through, that's, that's being channeled through the, the Stargate. With that same level of time dilation, everybody in the SGC would already be crushed. So I gave you a line that it's disproportional, possibly because of some lensing effect created by the Stargate. Now, there's no science behind that. I just made that up. But you, <laughs> you sound aghast. But you, you, um, you delivered it like it was so real. And that's, that's the key. That's the absolute key. When, so I when, and that's what you, it was real. Uh, well, but that's also the, 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 the key to being able to act, act stuff like that. Brent Spiner <laughs> uh, who did, uh, did an Outer Limits and I and we were just standing around and and uh, I was a little starstruck to be honest. Uh, and uh, and I asked him the same question. I said, uh, "Oh my God, I apologize for all the technobabble." And he said, "Well, I'm used to it." <laughs> I went, "Yeah, of course you yeah. are." And he said, and, "And and I and I every time I work with a, a new cast member, and I think I probably passed this on to you years ago. You when you do technobabble, when you do a long, long list of, of sciencey talk that may or may yep. not be rooted in anything, you have to say it out loud when you're memorizing it. Because if you don't, when you say it out loud for the very first time, its ridiculousness becomes apparent and it takes you out of it and you forget. It's true. That was that was his explanation. It's very true. You have to say it out loud. And you have to make it find a rhythm and you have to, yeah. And it has to sound not ridiculous. That's the, that's the key, isn't Not it? Not that, that any of your writing was ridiculous, right? <laughs> of course it is. Hey. Of course oh, it is. God. I remember Jonathan used to come into my office and say, I need a, I need like a, a term for this thing that with the thing and the going out of phase and the stuff. And, and, and I remember, how about temporal cascade failure? And he went, yeah, okay. <laughs> Just like, sure. And that, that went in. <laughs> that's and not I, a real I, thing? No. <laughs> No, because you're from another dimension. I'm so disillusioned right now. Oh dear, I'm so. Show me any math at all, any math, <laughs> and I and I'm disillusioned. Any actual math, if you you know the division with the line, I start playing hangman. Yeah. 
I don't know how to. Oh my God, that's funny. Well, that's why that's why it's so funny that I came to you so proud of my mathematical prowess and you just went, so, so change it. Now that makes sense. <laughs> I thought for the longest time that I was just bothering you, like that I was just being obnoxious or something. And you're like, oh God, here she comes again with some something. Jim, our DP uh, uh, came to me once with something like that during the episode and said, you're, 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 uh, your time, your time travel thing is all wrong. It's backwards. It's you're, you, you've done the, you've done it wrong. And Amanda, I panicked because we were already shooting. Yeah. And I went, now you're telling me. And I think about it and we're talking it through. And I went, no, 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 no. I'm right. You're wrong. And he went, oh yeah, I guess I am. And walked away. Oh my God. <laughs> it killed me. It just floored me. Like, you're not allowed to come in here until you think through something Never like again. that. But I'm don't just, you love I, that the crew cared that much? Yes. Like, isn't that awesome? It is awesome. The, the flip side of it is that everyone cared so much. Yeah. And, and, and in, a, in a concept meeting or, or in a <laughs> Bill Mizell, first AD. And, and then they talk about some shit that I don't understand, but apparently some of these people do. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> that sounds totally like Philly. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's this really fascinating, and then if he, he would, he would get into it and he would talk about it and say, no, I'm not, this is really an engaging moment between these two characters. And I quite, <laughs> I miss that. I, I miss, I, I've never, I, I, we laughed so much on that show. Yeah. We just laughed our freaking heads off. I would say arguably every day we laughed every single day. Of course. And I'd be laughing in the writer's room. And I'd go to set and you'd be laughing and I'd feel like I missed out on the joke and you guys would come by the writer's room and we'd stop laughing and you would feel like you'd missed out on the joke. <laughs> but it was really as long as we were all laughing, it mattered. Yeah. And uh, yeah, families were born on that show. Families oh upon God. families. Yeah, all the Stargate babies. What a great show. I hope you enjoyed our free 30 minute version of Brad's interview with Amanda. Remember, Companion members can access the full interview right now. It's an hour-long feast for your ears and includes some pretty exciting teases for the future of Stargate, including a quote from Brad's new Stargate script. Here's a short preview. We're, we're fantasizing about post-Stargate. O'Neill retired. Do you think uh, Carter and O'Neill uh, hooked up? Oh, man. I'm going to give a line for my script that, that I don't it doesn't give anything away but it, it speaks to O'Neill's character a great deal and, and he says <laughs> that's perfect that's perfect from the companion this is Brad Wright's podcast conversations in sci-fi if you want to listen to the full extended episode listen to previous interviews read hundreds of in-depth articles from our journalists authors and showrunners all on a weekly basis then you can get all that and more by becoming a member today. Do it. It helps keep the companion ad-free and clickbait-free. Just click the link below, and for a limited time, you can sign up to the companion for 50% off your yearly memberships. Thanks for listening and supporting. Hi there. This is Chief Master Sergeant Walter Harriman, your favorite gatekeeper. Have you ever wondered what it takes to become a certified Stargate technician? Well, now you can find out because I'm going to share my knowledge and experience with a select group of aspiring and enthusiastic gators. 
I want to give you a chance to be a hero too. That's why I'm happy to announce that on March 11th, I'll be taking a small number of students for my class, Gate Tech 101. Tickets are on sale now at thecompanion.app slash events. You won't want to miss this because it's not just a Stargate Masterclass. It's a Stargate Chief Master Sergeant class. See you there. But for now, Chevron 7 is locked.